it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, it is Tuesday of game week, Alabama-Cincinnati. How are we feeling about it, brother? Good, good, good. And en route now, trying to catch up with you. You beat me uh, You beat me to Dallas. Yeah, it, uh, I didn't have to, though, apparently. <laughs> I could have uh, stuck around in Birmingham until Thursday or Friday because, the, granted, there's still a lot of other things that we're getting to experience. And, you know, one thing I'll give the Cotton Bowl credit for and the Omni Hotel, uh, both of them working in unison, they roll out the red carpet for the media. And I was talking to somebody downstairs at the media hospital or in the media hospitality room, and she was just kind of explaining it to me uh, why they they go above and beyond like they do. You know, with at the Rose Bowl and you know down in uh, Orlando and Miami and all these places. You know, they have beaches, they have Disney, they have. Uh, you know, a lot of accommodations that's, you know, enjoyable. But in Dallas, it's all about the hospitality. You know, they're, they're not going to have all those attractions necessarily that some of these other destinations have, but they're all about, you know, compensating for that by being the absolute best at, at uh, making it an enjoyable experience for, for the media. And I've certainly enjoyed my time here. I've, I only got here yesterday morning, spent most of the day in the hotel room working, but was able to get down there <clears throat> last night, and it was fantastic. I had a really good time. And so, you know, definitely want to give them a shout-out for, for how they've treated us thus far. And it's pretty awesome that you're going to be here. Uh, so you'll get here on Thursday? Yeah, uh, I'll be there uh, late Thursday afternoon, and, uh, and I'll be able to uh, to, to, to read and, uh, and work, and we'll be uh, busy on the message boards uh, and, until then on the on three message board. But, uh, yeah, we'll be getting there uh, – Thursday afternoon and uh boy we don't have to we don't have to pack a coat do we it's it's a little warm (laughs) it is and I'm still dressing the same way I would dress in Alabama I don't know why I walked out of the hotel room this morning and I still had my my button-up shirt and then I also had a vest on over it and I'm like really you don't need the vest Uh, it's just it's kind of I'm a creature of habit I guess you'd say but yeah I mean it is all very interesting that you know, we're, we're getting closer to game time. You've got the COVID stuff that has kind of started to creep up a little bit. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that. I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, the comments that Will Anderson made as far as being an underdog and kind of that mentality that, that you know, not only he has, but Alabama has in general. And then also talk a little bit about, you know, updates from the coaching staff and Will, where Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone are at, you know, Jalen Armour Davis, what is his availability looking like? Uh, So we're just going to cover a couple of the basic things. We're going to do much more of an in-depth game preview later on this week. And I think I'm going to go out of my way to, to go get myself another microphone to make this audio sound a little bit better. I hate talking through uh, AirPods. They're they're great for a lot of things, but I don't think they're great for recording audio. So I'm going to go try to get that fixed, get something done on that. But in the meantime, Jimmy, let's start by, you know, talking a little bit about Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone and where they're at, apparently, you know, they're still in in Tuscaloosa or in Alabama. They have not made the trip yet because they haven't passed COVID protocols. They're still waiting. Nick Saban did say that he expects them to be 
joining the team sometime, you know, a day or two before the game, which would be, you know, tomorrow or Thursday with the game happening on Friday. So just thoughts on where those coaching, uh, where those two coaches are at, and then thoughts on what Alabama is doing to try to at least help out the offensive line in Doug Marone's absence. Yeah, no real new information in terms of uh, the schedule for Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone. Coach Saban initially said the night of the 29th or the night of the 30th, uh, which changed since then as the CDC guidelines uh, being reduced from, from a 10-day quarantine to a five-day quarantine. You would assume that in and of itself may affect their schedule. We haven't heard that it is, uh, but I, I think it would be fair to assume that they may be here earlier uh, than initially thought. But regardless of that, I don't really think it's affecting Alabama much at all. Uh, as it relates to the offensive line, uh, per NCA and SEC rules, Alabama is able to elevate a support staff member to the full-time staff if a full-time staff member is absent. And in this case, Alabama had Joe Pendry on the support staff who has uh, coached the offensive line for much of his 40-year uh, professional coaching career at the uh, college and NFL level. I mean, what a, what a resource that Alabama has to just step in and replace uh, Doug Marone if just for a few days. Uh, so Joe Pendry's working with the offensive line in preparation for this game and with his vast amount of experience and him being around the program. These guys aren't new to him. He knows Chris Owens. He knows Evan Neal. He knows Darian Dalcourt and Seth McLaughlin. He knows these guys. He's watched the tape of every game. Uh, he's not flying blind here at all. He, he knows these guys, and he knows the system, and he knows Coach Saban. It's just a, a perfect situation. As for Bill O'Brien, that's a little more problematic. However, if you think about it, Clint, Bill O'Brien has basically two jobs during the week. Number one is to create the offensive game plan that is going to be used in the game. And the fact that he's in Tuscaloosa with all the resources and the tape and the, and, and the, the you know, all, all, all the things that Alabama has that they use to build the game plan, including complex software systems, uh, not to mention all the game tape. I don't think that Bill O'Brien being absent from Dallas is affecting his plans in terms of uh, building uh, the, the play sheet for, for, the Dallas, uh, for Dallas on Friday. I don't think that's affected much. I think if there's any negativity to Bill O'Brien not being there is that he's also, uh, in addition to the game planner and the, the play caller, he's Bryce Young's position coach. So Bryce isn't being coached this week uh, by his regular coach. I'm guessing that that has been taken over by Alec Mortensen who's been our support staff uh, for, for a long time and, and really knows the Alabama system well, is not a stranger to Bryce and is probably doing a really good job. But I think if there is a negative at all, it's Bill's absence in terms of, uh, of not being able just to work with Bryce and sort of uh, be in Bryce's ear all week long. Yeah, I think that you hit the nail on the head with both of those. Uh, I think Joe Pendry, him being available – that's huge for the offensive line. Um, it, it's going to make them more comfortable and and bring some, you know, not necessarily from some familiarity as far as, you know, the current players, uh, even though I do think they've been around Joe Penry and they know who he is. And so I think that brings a certain level of comfort. But just having a guy who's experienced and been in the program for as long as he has, I think that that was very important to have him on hand, and that's certainly beneficial. You know, when you and, and when you look at the players – uh, granted, Nick Saban said that if anything changes, he would let us know. 
I know they're still going through some, you know, some testing and there's still hurdles they have to get over and things like that. But as of Sunday, when Alabama got to Dallas initially, and we talked to Nick Saban, he said that there were not any issues with COVID outside of those couple of, of assistant coaches who had, you know, contracted the virus, you know, so as far as players are concerned at that time, doesn't look like there were any issues. Now, granted, we don't really know if that has changed. It, it, it could have since changed. We know that this is an ongoing thing. Things can change on a dime. You know, the, the fact that the media is not being allowed at practice, I thought that was a very interesting uh, twist. And it's not an Alabama thing. It's not a, a Cincinnati thing, uh, Georgia or uh, Michigan. It's, it's that they were given the ability to not have media practice. And why in the world would you want them there? if they don't have to be there, right? I mean, because all that's going to come from it is we're going to be able to see who's available, who's not available, if there's guys that's dealing with COVID, if Nick Saban wants to keep that under wraps and not have Cincinnati know that a certain player is going to be out, <clears throat> would they have to continue to, to prepare for him, you know, and things like that. There's just a, there's a whole lot of benefits to not having the media in there, and there's a whole lot of, you know, uh, disadvantages, especially if other coaches – are participating for, you know, you to not participate in that or be able to, you know, I guess you'd say exploit it. So I, I don't blame them at all. I know that there's been some stuff going around with the media and people have been kind of, you know, trashing on the media because certain people have said stuff about it. Me personally, it's not from, it's understandable. You know, I don't blame anybody for their decision. The only thing, and I would agree with Aaron Suttles who brought this up on Twitter, I think the timing of it is very unfortunate, not for the coaches to announce it or the teams in particular, but for the college football playoff to give them the option at this point. They could have made that decision you know, late last week. Instead, they let everybody travel. And, and from my perspective, somebody that covers the sport, somebody that covers Alabama, me getting to spend a couple of extra days paid for in Dallas is great. People that are getting to go – to the other game and participate, you know, down there in Miami, you're in Miami for a couple of days and you don't have as much that you have to do. That's great. Uh, that's not really how we're looking at it though. When we come to these events and we come to cover, you know, the bowl games and, and the college football playoff, we have a job to do. We want to do that job and B, you know, our employers are not paying for us to be on vacation. Uh, so, you know, that I know that on three is paying for me to be down here right now. It is not cheap. I'll tell you that. Uh, and they could have sent me on Thursday, uh, Wednesday or Thursday instead and saved a little bit of money. So I just, you know, for the, from the employer's perspective, the entire reason they want us here is to be able to give uh, listeners and readers, you know, boots on the ground content, things that's going on. And, and this just kind of limits our ability to do that a little bit. It's not me complaining. It's just saying, you know, that, that I understand both sides of it. But that's neither here nor there. That's a very... Yeah, we just won't be able to tell you, you know, really who's not available or whatever. And that could be beneficial to Alabama, Cincinnati, and whoever else. But we'll kind of move on to the next topic, which is Jalen Armour Davis. For everything that we've heard, you know, Pete Golding yesterday talked a little bit about him, says it looks like he's back. You know, he's looked good in practice. Jimmy, how important is it to get a, a presence like Jalen Armour Davis back? Because you already were, were going to be starting Kool-Aid McKinstry more than likely with Josh Joe being out. If Jalen Arbor Davis, who's had a pretty good season, in fact, I would say that he's been Alabama's most consistent, best corner this year. If he were to miss the game, then you'd have Kyrie Jackson in there, who a lot of people, you know, we, I think we all believe in his ability to get the job done. But from a depth standpoint and from just not knowing how having a true freshman and a JUCO guy who has never had a career start at Alabama 
seeing those two guys on the field together, how big is it for, for the Tide that they were able to get uh, Jalen Armour Davis back ahead of this game? It's really big, in particular, as you said, in light of Josh Job not being available. We, won't, we know Job won't be there. Um, so, so you're already down one corner. If you were also down Jalen Armour Davis and you had to start two brand-new corners, uh, that, that, that would be a little scary considering the size, the enormity of this game. I don't think the matchup would, would have been too bad. I mean, in terms of Cincinnati doesn't exactly feature, you know, Ohio State's wide receiver core. But regardless of that, you need it for the leadership, for the experience. Uh, and, and again, having both corners out, that, that would have been really difficult. So it's, it's great news if Jalen Armour Davis is able to play and start at one corner. You would then have Kool-Aid McKinstry at the other corner. And let's be honest here, you know, Kool-Aid is, is this will be, I believe, his third or fourth start of the year. He he has played pretty extensively for both a true freshman and for a guy who's not a normal starter. Uh, I, I know it's his third start if it's not his fourth. And he's played well. He did give up a, a you know a pretty long uh, catch to Pickens, I think, in the in the SEC championship game. That's fine. Hey, you know, Pickens gonna be playing pro football, you know, in April. Uh, I, I think Kool-Aid's done great. Had Kool-Aid been a starter all season long from game one, just been a true freshman starter, I think he'd have held up just fine. I think he was good enough to do that. There was just no reason uh, to, to, to stick the freshman out there when you had two proven upper-class you know, veterans like Job and Jalen Armour Davis. So Kool-Aid just didn't have the opportunity until now. But uh, I think Kool-Aid will be fine at one corner. And at the other corner, Jalen Armour Davis went healthy this season, Clint. I think Jalen Armour Davis performed at an all-SEC level all season long. I think he's – whether he was first-team all-SEC or not, uh, I, I think when healthy, he did perform at that level, and it would be great news if he's back. I, I would just say one caveat. You know, Pete Golding is who mentioned Jalen Armour Davis, and it was, uh, it, it was the answer to a specific question. Uh, I, I hope the – you know, people don't – equate that with Alabama announcing that Jalen Armour Davis is back and starting. Uh, I, I, I do think that it, it, it looks positive and it looks possible or even use the word probable. Uh, but it wasn't like Nick Saban uh, announced that uh, Jalen Armour Davis is, is returning from missing a couple of games and that he's back and starting the game. It was Pete saying, uh, yeah, he's out there practicing. He looks good to me. And, uh, you know, and, and again, that, that's a great sign. I, I just am – not sure one way or the other whether we're going to see number five out there or not. And that's a great way to put it. And it's something that definitely needs to be added because we don't know for certain that he's going to be back. But that's about as positive of an update as we probably could have expected because if you're Alabama, you can provide updates when you're asked on certain guys, but I don't think you're going to willingly come out and say, yeah, he's, he's definitely going to be playing in the game. I don't see how that really benefits you outside of just letting everybody know that he's going to be playing. But from the sound of it, it looks like he's going to be playing, but you're 100% correct. If you don't see number five out there, don't be completely floored or shocked. It's not a guarantee that he's going to be back, but he's certainly trending in that direction, and you're 100% correct. That is absolutely huge for the secondary um, because when, when you're breaking in, and, and I say two new guys, Kool-Aid McKinstry, you're right. I think he's, this is going to be a fourth start. I think he's already had three. And I went back and watched him a lot in that Georgia game. And granted, you know, Stetson Bennett, it wasn't the kind of quarterback that's going to be able to threaten you consistently. 
and maybe that helps. But I, I want to say that Kool-Aid was targeted five times. He only gave up two catches. One of them was the long, you know, 37-yarder or whatever it was to, to George Pickens. And, you know, that's just a great player going to make a great play uh, on George's end. But, you know, other than that, he gave up one catch. You know, I think everybody pretty much gave up a catch at some point to, to Brock Bowers. But overall, I thought it was a, a very good performance from him. I wouldn't say maybe very good, but I thought that it was definitely better than I initially thought going or, or watching the game live. And then going back through it, I realized, okay, maybe he played a little bit better than I initially gave him credit for. So I think Alabama was going to be fine on that end. And I think Kyrie Jackson's a talented player who's going to eventually be a good player for Alabama and, you know, a steady contributor. But it was just was the unknown factor. You know, he could end up coming out there and playing great, or he could end up being a guy that Desmond Ritter and that passing game could end up exploiting. You're right. Cincinnati doesn't have the same caliber of weapons across the board in their passing game that an Ohio State has or some of these other teams. But they still have a couple of pieces that they can use to exploit guys. You know, Alec Pierce is a very good receiver, um, you know, big body guy. You know, they can move him around a little bit. You know, Josh Wiley, the tight end. You know, I think that's an area that they're going to try to exploit Alabama as much as possible because there have been points this season that Alabama has been susceptible to giving up big plays or, or you know, consistent plays to the tight ends. So I think that, you know, just having guys out there who are experienced, who are comfortable in the defense, you know the moment's not going to be too big for Jalen Armour Davis. He's been there. He's played in some huge games. Just, you know, if you would have had to have gone from him to Kyrie Jackson, which you still might have to do, I want to continue to reiterate that, but just, you know, with him trending towards playing, I think that is going to be very important for Alabama's defense. Uh, moving on to the final topic that we're going to be talking about today, and that's Will Anderson's comments. I found it interesting that, you know, granted, as soon as he said it, I knew it was going to be a big quote. That's why I shared it on Twitter. But I was surprised at how many people were kind of shocked by Will Anderson's comments, talking about how, you know, and how it all came about was he was essentially asked, against Georgia, you were considered the underdog. And it's something that Alabama's not really used to being. Now you're kind of back to being the typical Alabama. You're not the underdog. That's Cincinnati. Do you prefer to be the underdog? How is the mentality different? You know, that was kind of the way the question was phrased. Will Anderson comes out and was like, you know, I still view us as the underdog. You know, we've been disrespected all year. And people are like, oh, my gosh, you play for Alabama. Come on, dude. Really, when you start looking at this and you look at past Alabama teams and the way that they've been treated – the way that, you know, especially Alabama's defense, you know, Will Anderson in particular, very few people have, have criticized him, if any, this season. There hasn't been anything to criticize. It's been incredible. Had one of the best seasons statistically in, in, in college football history on the defensive side of the football. So not him in particular, but his unit, the defense, has been absolutely criticized this year and been told that they're trash and they're garbage. So just what were your initial thoughts on Will Anderson saying that, Jimmy? And, you know, do you think that a lot of people out here that are kind of criticizing him for making those comments, do you feel like they're a little bit out of pocket? Uh, yeah, I mean, no one should criticize Will for how he feels of, about anything or any opinion he has. I mean, uh, he answered the question. And, you know, what, what stood out to me is, you know, so many of the, the all-time greats, so many of the guys in pro football, so many of the guys in, in pro basketball, um, and I'm talking about the all-time greatest. I'm talking about Tom Brady, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. Uh, they played their entire careers with chips on their shoulder. They found ways to be motivated. They found ways to feel disrespected. I mean, isn't it a universal opinion now that Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback to ever play the sport? 
Yet when Tom Brady plays, even today, he still plays like he's the pissed off 199th pick in the draft. Hey, I was a six round pick. They, you know, every team in the league passed on me five times. And he still plays pissed about that, even though he's settled every argument that he's the greatest to ever do it. Kobe Bryant was that way as a competitor. He found a reason to, to, to go out and feel disrespected. Michael Jordan certainly did. And when Will Anderson answered that question the way he did, that's what immediately came to mind to me, because I think we all know where Will Anderson sits in the college football hierarchy right now. There's already a 2023 mock draft out that I read yesterday that had Will Anderson as the number one pick in the draft in this particular mock draft. And that's just the first of many, many mock drafts we will see that have Will Anderson going number one overall. But so many of the greats, they play with a chip on their shoulder. They play like, you know, uh, Will Anderson, maybe even after being the first pick, he's going to play his first game in the NFL like, hey, can you believe they gave player of the year to Aiden Hutchinson, you know, when I was a sophomore? Uh, he, and that's great. That's where these guys find motivation. Hey, as an Alabama fan, I want Will Anderson motivated. I don't care how we motivate Will Anderson. If we want to tell Will before the game started that Desmond Ritter's been flirting with his girlfriend, I'm 100% for it. Whatever Will has to do to get pissed off to play the game, I'm 100% for it. Here's the thing. People approach how Alabama has been treated for the entirety of the season like they've been treated since that Georgia game, and it couldn't be more incorrect. Prior to the Georgia game, first of all, going in, very few people were giving them a chance. You're one of the few people who made the prediction that Alabama was going to win. Even I predicted that they were going to lose. Several people were predicting that. 99.9% of people out there were predicting that. It was then becoming a matter of how much is Georgia going to beat Alabama by. And there were a lot of media members out there that didn't just think that Alabama was going to lose. They thought Alabama was going to get smoked. And, and you talk about, you know, what, what was the narrative after the Auburn game? You know, what was the narrative after the LSU game? What was the narrative after Texas A&M, after Florida? And so to act like what, what's happened is, is Alabama finally looked like that team that we've seen in the past against Georgia. And from that point, now everybody's singing their praises. They're saying they're going to win the national title. Not only beat Cincinnati pretty good. I mean, if they're a 13 and a half point favorite right now, that a lot of people predict that they're going to cover that line. They're going to move on. And it doesn't matter who they play, whether it be Georgia or Michigan, they're going to win the national title. But we can't act like that's been the narrative all season. Alabama has been in that conversation, but people have been saying, hey, you know, this is a, this is a good Alabama team, but it's not these same Alabama teams we've seen in the past. This team is vulnerable. They're beatable. And that's what Will Anderson's talking about when he says, hey, we won one football game. I, my, this mentality, the fact that we've been trashed all year and in the last couple of weeks, everybody's decided to, to, to come around on that. Don't think we've forgotten what's been said for the first, you know, 12 weeks of the season before this last game. And so I understand where he's coming from with that. And I 100% think you're correct. I love the fact that he's able to take the approach. Like a lot of the, you know, you talk about a, an elite goat mentality. It's to be able to find a way to feel disrespected, to take things personally, to try, always be trying to prove people wrong. The hungriest people in life are the ones who have the most success. And it's very difficult when you have success. It's very difficult to maintain that mentality. 
Alabama in the SEC championship, they had a lot of that success. Now everybody's telling them how good, great, and wonderful they are. And if Will Anderson is, you know, not just saying that, and I, I guarantee you, he feels that way. If Alabama continues to feel that way, the entire team, they're going to be extremely dangerous and extremely tough to beat in the college football playoff. I'll tell you that right now. I just know that in the past, we've said how good, great, and wonderful they are. We think they're going to destroy LSU for, for whatever reason. We think they're going to destroy Auburn. Uh, because of all the injuries, you know, we think that, you know, even though Arkansas is a top 25 team, we think Alabama is going to beat them pretty good. When when we've all given them a lot of credit, you know, Texas A&M, look at what happened with that. Going into that game, Texas A&M had already lost two games. It was early in the year. And we all thought, you know, this sitting the A&M team, we all thought they were going to be Alabama's, get, you know, even though they're going to College Station, it, they're going to beat them pretty good. And Nick Saban kept saying, hey, don't don't look at it that way. This is still a very good football team. We all ignored them. Alabama gets beat. So they just have to be able to prove that now that they're being treated like they've been treated at other points this season. And, and there has not been a – if you think about it, I'm trying to think of a game that, that featured a team that was good enough to compete or beat Alabama that they've gone against that we've told them they were going to, you know, smoke them, and they ended up living up to that. Maybe – Maybe uh, Mississippi State. You know, after the Texas A&M game, it felt like that a lot of people thought that Mississippi State could give them trouble. They end up, you know, but I still think that there are a lot of people picking Alabama, you know, in a revenge game to win fairly big. And they go out and they win 49-9. to So maybe that's the one time where you could say that that's happened. But otherwise, when they play teams that they were supposed to beat big but still have talent, not a Mercer or, you know, a New Mexico State, but teams that actually, you know, it's still an SEC squad, you know, I haven't really seen them rise to the occasion and live up to that hype. So that's what I'm looking for in this game is to, you know, Will Anderson says that they're taking all this personally. They're, you know, playing with a chip on their shoulder. They feel like the underdogs, whatever. It's a matter of seeing that translate to the field. And if they can do that, I think the sky's the limit for this team. They're very talented. But, Jimmy, do you have anything else before we hop off here? No, uh, you know, I've been ready to uh, tee it up for a few days. The, the college football season is so weird how – you know, we wait nine months and then the season starts and we have a game every week and then we achieve so much and everything is going great. And then we actually win the SEC and we get to play for the championship. And it's like, see y'all in 27 days. And that's just, it's just <laughs> bizarre. No other sport does this. There is not another sport like this. No one takes a 27 day break to determine who the champion is going to be. Uh, but our beloved sport, it's very odd. Uh, it's odd that we don't question it. Like, what the hell is going on? But uh, no, I'm ready to. Uh, I'm ready to tee it up. I never thought I would do this much about Cincinnati. Yeah, I completely agree there. And and granted, you know they, they are a good football team. Uh, do I think that if Alabama brings their A game and Cincinnati brings their A game, do I think that Cincinnati can win? I, I personally know I don't. Um, I think that uh, whether it's Cincinnati forcing Alabama to not, you know, perform their best, or it's Alabama just simply not performing on their own, uh, that's where there are plenty of scenarios where Cincinnati could win. And so that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that if Alabama plays the way that they did against Georgia, which I felt like was the, you know, most complete, best performance on both sides of the football against quality uh, units that Georgia has, then I don't think that it matters much what Cincinnati does. I think that Alabama is just that much more talented. They can attack you in that many more different ways. And, and, you know, so we'll kind of just have to see. But it is very fascinating. And it's something that I always kind of forget that 
college football has such a long layover between conference championships and, and when you actually start competing for the national championship. And, and, you know, that's just, that is part of the sport. It's something, it, it gives you a lot of time to hype it up and you're itching to get it back by the time it gets here. They kind of, you know, nowadays it's dabbling a little bit with the bowl games, you know, Houston and Auburn uh, is going to be coming on here relatively soon. You know, that's that kind of wet your appetite a little bit, but by the time the college football playoff rolls around and it actually matters and you got teams back competing for a championship, it is, everybody's ready to watch it. And so I'll be curious to see how this, college football playoff ends up playing out and we are going to dive a lot more into the matchups and, and what Alabama needs to do and what Cincinnati needs to do and we've got some mailbag questions I just I forgot my microphone in in Birmingham didn't bring it with me so trying to to record this stuff and do all of it on you know the, the way that I'm having to do it just uh it's not ideal but we are still going to get content out to you guys this week, you know, this podcast, and then we're going to be doing one here in a couple of days, really diving into the matchups. I'm looking forward to doing that. I know that Jimmy is too. We could talk about this stuff all day. I could dive into that stuff right now, but got some other stuff we got to be doing. I know Jimmy's on the road. So we're going to be doing that later this week. And if you have any questions, as always, send them over to us. We, we'd love to answer them. Um, anything that's on your mind as far as the game and, and preparation for the game and, you know, some of, and you can, it doesn't have to be a question. You can give your thoughts. You know, who's your X factor going in? You know, what are some matchups that you like? Where are some areas that you think that Alabama can exploit Cincinnati or vice versa? It's just however you want to do it. We'll try to get all your comments and stuff. Just say that you say it's for the Bama on three show. That's something, you know, sometimes people have hit me up in my DMs and just made comments. And I, I had no clue that it, you know, that was something that they wanted me to, whether it be read or ask the question uh, on the show. So be sure to clarify that. But otherwise, we'll read all your comments, get some takes from you, react to your takes, and just have some fun with it. Uh, so, Jimmy, as always, I appreciate you hopping on here with me, and we'll certainly talk soon. Uh, looking forward to it. Absolutely. All right, this is going to do it for another episode of the Bam on 3 show. I'm your host, Clint Lamb.